HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by 360 Cookware. Their stainless steel cookware uses vapor technology to cook better tasting, more nutritional food. To learn more and receive 20% off, click their logo on our website, heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Donuts. They've been around for longer than we can trace. And yet, all of a sudden, they're the trending food item again. What is it about donuts? We sent our Chicago assistant, Whitney Henry Lester, over to the vault, a popular donut shop in Chicago, where at 7 a.m. people line up around the corner. We sent her there to find out just what the allure is. And then at 8.30 a.m., they open the doors. I usually get just a dozen, and I let them go crazy. It's pretty much a feeding frenzy. You know, I get the leftovers. I've been eating quite a bit because I'm nine months pregnant, and I enjoy my donuts in the morning. They make you feel good. Donuts are one of those sweet indulgences that you have to have every now and then. To be honest, I haven't had a donut in a very long time, but because it is a trend, that's why I'm standing in line right now about to eat one. <laughs> I don't know that I pay attention to that. I like donuts. I would eat them anyway, trendy or not. You can't go wrong with donuts. Thank goodness that, you know. Cupcakes are done. The donut is king. Donuts just are nostalgic. They remind me of my childhood. We used to get donuts every Sunday morning. It was just kind of a family tradition. You know, I did hear somebody say that there might be a coconut something that would make me happy. I'm kind of a donut purist. I like the old fashions. No frills. But if I had jelly in the middle, forget it. I'm back for the chocolate glazed. It was the most delicious one I tried. And at 10.37, they were sold out. 10.37, they were sold out. They opened the doors at 8.30. Not a bad business. We'll find out more about this iconic American treat today on A Taste of the Past. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. And indeed, we're going to be talking all about donuts today. It is quite amazing that, you know, foods that 
we've known all our lives and, and have been around, well, in this one, donuts, truly in history forever, come and go in popularity and become trendy items. You know, that it, it's sometimes bemoaned that um, the local donut shops are on the wane, and now all of a sudden, all I keep reading about are these popular donut places all over the country. There's um, in Portland, and certainly New York has its share, Chicago. It, it just is an amazing treat to me. Um, and there have been several books devoted to donuts. In fact, the, um, the cultural and southern food historian John T. Edge talks about donuts in his book called Donuts, An American Passion, it, that they conjure up nostalgia. In fact, we heard one person on the street mention that they were nostalgic. They reveal portions of our history. Um, and cherished foods often do that. A donut's satisfying. It's kind of a national symbol. You ask people abroad, and, and often they think of America's fatty fast foods and donut being one of them. And kind of put the low-carb diet uh, to rest. Everyone sneaks a donut now and then. And anthropologist Paul Mullins wrote about donuts in his book, Glazed America, The History of Donut. And he uses our beloved donut to trace our eating habits, our identity, and even modern consumer culture. He examines why we often paint donuts in moral terms. Like the one woman we heard say, well, I haven't had a donut in a long time. Why? Well, she was probably denying herself. Why? Because of social conflicts over body image and class structure. Come on, donuts are good. Don't overconsume. Treat yourself. And it's a great treat. And they have quite a long history. A new book has just come out that can help you make your donuts at home. It's called 150 Donuts. I'm sorry, 150 Best Donut Recipes from Fried to Baked. And the author is with me today from California to talk, George Geary. Welcome, George. Thank you so much, Linda. How are you? Fine, thanks. I hope I got that title right here. I was, I was yeah, you rifling did. through <laughs> my papers. All right, so you, you decided to write, with all this trending about donuts, you decided to write a book on donuts. Not that there hadn't been books on donuts written before. Why did you suddenly decide to write a book on donuts? I decided, well, everything you said about donuts is so true, because I uh, love them. I Since I was a kid, it was like every day that you would, uh, if I see a donut shop, I stopped today. Even yesterday, I saw one that I wanted to stop and see what it was all about. They only had three donuts left. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But the reason behind the donut book was I see this trend of these gourmet donut shops opening, and donuts always seem difficult to make in the kitchen to people. Messy, yeah. Yeah, very messy. Lots of oil. Only one or two recipes would be in, like, the joy of cooking with all these variations. And I thought, you know, there's more to donuts than that. So I started researching and doing more research and finding um, baked donuts were so easy to do that if you could do a muffin, you could do a baked donut, and they t look like a donut when it comes out, and they taste like a donut. They just don't have all the fat. Um, so that's why the, the book came out, and I also wanted to up it a notch by using um, different ingredients. Well, we are like going to get to some. Right, we're going like to get that. to some of those ingredients yeah. later on in the show, and 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 George would certainly know. George is a former pastry chef for the Walt Disney Company. He is a cooking teacher and a cookbook author. He travels all over the country, teaching. Oh, in fact, all over the world on cruises, teaching about cooking. Yeah. 
just got back from uh, Guatemala and Honduras. Wow. Uh, and you've written nine cookbooks, right? This is my ninth. Mm-hmm. Including the yep. cheese, the Cheesecake Bible, which I absolutely have to admit I absolutely love. <laughs> and, now, <laughs> and now donuts, all these great things that are, yeah, they're treats, once in a while treats. But donuts, you know, for those who might be listening at different times, I have to tell um, our listeners that... Th- it is, we're, we're recording this right around the Christmas Hanukkah season. You wonder why doing donuts in the Christmas Hanukkah season? For very good reason. Because donuts in one form or another have been around, as I, I mentioned, forever. And in fact, they are a holiday treat. Right. Um, uh, the Polish eat their punchki for you know, donuts, their jelly-filled donuts for Christmas. And, uh, and certainly the, for the Jews at Jewish... Hanukkah time, there are the sufgoniak, the the jelly donuts as well. So donuts in one form or another have been around. What can you tell you? Have you done a little digging into the the background of donuts? Well, everywhere it seemed like you'd look for the history of America with donuts, they'd mention Dutch. Right. Because of the ships, I think. And I have to be nice to Dutch because I do like the Dutch, but <laughs> because I work for Holland America, so, uh-huh. and we're Dutch ships. Um, and I serve donuts on the ship when I teach also. But they um, seem to always go back to Dutch and these folklore stories on how it came over and, and things like that. So, and the first time donuts were mentioned in uh, cookbooks um, were so far back when cookbooks almost started and some type of fried mass would happen so as far as the exact result history i'm lost on that one. well as you know i think as are most historians they can yep. you know dig up all kinds of stories but certainly you're right the dutch story comes through loud and clear as far as the the most identifiable form that we know today to be a donut and they call them the o- Oily cooking or oil oil cakes, right? Yeah, oil cakes. Right. Yep. Fried, yeah. fried cakes. Exactly. Fried little uh, masses. And, and then the, uh, the reason for the hole in the middle that I kept coming up with, um, you know, it's kind of like if you're trying to bake a large cake, you have to take a center core of heat and these little round um Life, lifesaver-ish looking uh, round masses would float in the oil and they would need to have it uh, cook all the way around. You get or that they'd have raw dough. Center. Yeah, raw dough in the center. Yeah. <laughs> but today, when we have a jelly donut, it doesn't have a hole in it. Mm. Or the, the Jewish little round um, balls don't have holes in them. So, it, it, you know, I just don't know why we have that hole in it. I think it looks nice, but yeah, I... I like to buy a handful of the little rounds and pop those in my mouth while I drive. <laughs> well, there is there is a story that uh, attributes um, another Dutch story that uh, uh, Captain Hansen Gregory. Right. You know, that's yeah. I found that all over the place. It, a little uh, you know allusions to that that he liked his donuts and he stuck them on the end of his of the uh, st- what the the steering wheel of the ship <laughs> made the hole. I, can, I think that's by, yeah. I think that's stretching it. <laughs> Yeah, I could just see that full of, uh, you know, donuts while he spins it around, he takes a bite on each one or something. You know? But I think, well, even in Roman and Greek history, there were um, a type of fritter dough that they we found um, evidence of. And they were a, a piece of dough stretched around and then joined again, like in a knot or in a circle. 
Uh, so, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would cook more evenly. Right. I, I th- it's a popular trend today for people to put holes in the center of their hamburgers so they get yeah, more that's even. That's true. Yeah. 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 So I, I can see that it was um, a means to cook it more evenly, certainly. But mm-hmm. the good stories abound. And there are donuts in history that are both sweet and savory, but we do find the, the sugar or honey-drenched, syrup-drenched donuts coming into popularity easily by um, the medieval times. And that's with the, uh, we found Arabs uh, cooking portions of dough and dipping them into syrup. So that's, it's, it does have quite a history. And then it comes to America. <laughs> All right, the Dutch, okay, you're, you do, you travel on ships on the Holland oh, lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, the Dutch bring over this recipe, and Americans take to it. Um, they just absolutely love them, right? And then even so much so that World War I made them, I think that's when they really uh, soared in popularity. Yeah, you're getting into the early years there, and uh, they, they started uh, pr- producing machines to make donuts. Um, we had the electric age, things like that, so yeah. some ease of making yeah. the, the fried doughs. Right, right. Well, actually, it wasn't even until, I think, 1920 that the first machine was made. Um, and I'm just trying to find reference to that. It was, uh, okay. Um, but they... But the world, but during the wars, during World War One, the um, uh, Salvation Army popularized donuts. I mean, they they like to take the credit for popularizing the American donut, and I have to say, they did quite a job They're serving them to. They had women over there in the working for the Salvation Army, making donuts to pass out to to all the American soldiers to give them a little taste of home, and uh, that popularized them. And and then they had, they, in fact, they called them what well, the dough lassies. You know, the women who would make the donuts. Oh yeah, 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 and that carried over even into World War Two. Uh, donut girls were replaced. Oh, donut dollies—they called them. Yes, donut donut dollies. dollies. <laughs> and and what did the and the soldiers then were known as doughboys because they loved eating their donuts and the doughboys were the American soldiers. So it it did and that did popularize them, uh, and and the rest the rest is history as we say. Although it's not because the history goes on. Um, who doesn't know about Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts, right? Well, that's true. It, it, uh, Krispy Kreme, um, when they started, it, it, they're even in the Smithsonian Institute, part of the Krispy, uh, Krispy Kreme uh, conveyor belt in the American uh, uh, part of the heritage. So it's part of our history. It absolutely is. Um, and it's. I had a, a guest on my show um, uh, a couple years back, and we were talking about um, his book, The Encyclopedia of Jewish Food, Gil Marks. And mm-hmm. what a font of knowledge. I, I kept the information because I knew I wanted to talk about donuts someday. And he told me all about William Rosenberg. William Rosenberg was the man who started Dunkin' Donuts, although... He called it the first shop. He called Open Kettle in Quincy, Massachusetts, and it became so popular. He later changed the name for whatever reason to Dunkin' Donuts, and um, he opened that first store in 1948. And by and today, there are over 5,000 Dunkin' Donuts stores everywhere. Yeah, and worldwide. The amazing. only place it's really strange. California does not take to Krispy Kreme 
or Dunkin' Donuts, and I can't figure this reason. You have out. no Dunkin' Donut shops out there? They've closed down. They they had a number of them. Um, the product didn't seem fresh every time I went in because they do it at a factory and just roll them into each location. Um, it, we're a strange bunch here in California <laughs> with uh, quick things like that. But you, do you have the um, the gourmet donut shops that we're seeing uh, yeah. in other parts of the country? Well, there you go. Okay, we're having that, and then we had our own uh, donut company called Winchell's start in the same year as Dunkin' Donuts in 1948. Huh. And most of those places uh, were franchise, very good product, and then. They started uh, kind of disappearing, what? and you drive down the street and you can tell where a Winchell's Donut was because it has an iconic sign. And instead of Winchell's, people would take the W and turn it around, and it would be called Michael's Donuts or something crazy. <laughs> uh, and the product would be horrible. So. Well, but they didn't fade away. Donuts didn't go away. Oh no! no well, it's interesting because I had never really heard of Krispy Kreme until um, uh, they had sort of a renaissance about 10 years ago, there was a competing donut firm around the same time that Krispy Kreme started. And Krispy Kreme started, what, in, oh, I don't know, about 19, again, 1940s or something. Um, but I grew up in the Midwest, and we had a company, again, a southern company, because Krispy Kreme started in Texas, I believe. Um, it was another southern donut company that, that started up in the Midwest, and it was called Dixie Cream. Uh, is same kind of um, method, you know, the same does use the same machine, those crispy, as you said, the conveyor belt machines. I remember as a little girl standing at the counter, you could look into the machinery and I could see the donuts moving underneath the sugar drip line and just see the glaze get on top of those yeasty donuts. And there was nothing like having a box of fresh donuts right off the assembly line. Unbelievable. They just melted in your mouth. Uh, they yeah. didn't. They didn't melt away, though. They landed somewhere in my body, on <laughs> probably on the <laughs> hips. You know, well, well, that's what happens. <laughs> um, but donuts, you know, it just. I guess it's just it. It's that sweet treat. Well, you know, cupcakes. Same thing happened with cupcakes. Now, something we can attribute to popularize that it sort of became popular. Sex in the City um, had a couple of scenes where. The stars were eating cupcakes, and all of a sudden it right. became a big craze. What? But with donut, I don't remember anything in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not offhand, no. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Magnolia Bakery wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for Carrie Bradshaw. Absolutely not. And what about the word donut? When did we move from dough, the D O U G H, to D O N U T, donut? Oh, this is funny because we debated this on the cover of my book. Which way are we spelling it? And I said, oh, it's less keystrokes for me to write D-O-N-U-T-S. <laughs> and indeed, Do your book is called D-O-N-U-T-S, Donuts, right? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I think in, I mean, it's not new, but, it's, but it doesn't go back. That, I mean, it, it post-dates World War II, I think, the use of donut. Not sure. Yeah, because even like Wikipedia puts it both ways. Yeah, well, it's pretty interchangeable. Interchangeable. Yeah. You know, I ran across a, a cute um, a little factoid, and who knows whether these things are ever true or not, but um, about Dunkin' Donuts, and then, of course, we have Dunkin' Donuts. But in, um, there, in 1934, I read that, that donuts were really um, 
they're called the the food of progress because they showed the whole conveyor belt. They showed the whole donut machine, and and it was introduced at the World's Fair in Chicago. Oh, in Chicago, right? right. And and then uh, later that same year, I think it was, legend has it that an actress. Um, accidentally dropped a donut in her coffee. Well, that sounds a little far-fetched that one person would notice that she dropped it. And then in the film, the 1934 film, It Happened One Night, Clark Gable teaches uh, some runaway heiress how to dunk her donut. And and forever after, we shall relate coffee and donuts together <laughs> and dunking your donut. But they all make for good stories, right? And then Dunkin' Donuts took over. Well, now Dunkin' Donuts used to have, I don't know if they still do, they had a cake donut that was round, but it had almost like a handle on it that was part, and you could hold that to dunk into your coffee. Oh, what a great you idea. Re- recall anything I like that? never saw that, or I mean, you know, yeah. never paid attention to that. And they called it the Dunkin' Donut when, the, uh, you know, you'd go up, but it was just a plain, uh, and most people want icing on their donuts. Right. So. so it left a little portion that wasn't iced, so you could, wouldn't get your fingers sticky. Yeah, hold on to, it was kind of like, you know, it's kind of hard to explain, like um, a tab on top that was still donut. Huh. Yeah, uh, I wonder if that was their signature donut. Uh, that I didn't. He- I didn't read about it, that at all. Yeah, but, and I haven't seen it uh, for years. But I do yeah, remember. Makes that. for a great story. There, well, there's my story. There <laughs> you go. Um, I want to find out. You know, th- I was. I was going to mention when um, in the piece that we were. Um, we had about different people waiting for donuts. Oh. Um, there were some people in an, in further. If we let it go further on, people talked about some of the unusual flavors they came for. And I know there's a a very popular donut shop um, here in New York in Bedford Stuyvesant called Dough, and one of their most popular flavors is hibiscus. And I thought, well, now that is truly unusual. And the I think the gourmet unusual flavors are. Um, inventive flavors are, uh, you know, abound in these new shops, and certainly you have many unusual flavors in your book. And we're going to talk about some of these when we come back after a short break. You're listening to Favorite Flower by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network. Org. Today's program has been brought to you by AmeriCraft. AmeriCraft and 360 Cookware are proud sponsors of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. AmeriCraft is an American company, and like Heritage Radio Network, they provide the best. Their 360 Cookware is made of the highest quality ingredients, like United States Steel. It is made in the greenest cookware manufacturing plant in the world. AmeriCraft makes great cookware and is focused on improvement. 360 Cookware is their exclusive line. It's a contemporary line of cookware and bakeware intended to let you, the Heritage Radio Network listeners, have a unique cooking experience. Its vapor seal allows food to be cooked in its natural juices, preserving all of the vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients without added water, oils, or fats. 360 Cookware invites you to learn more about how this process works on their website, www.360cookware.com. 
We are back on A Taste of the Past, and I'm talking with George Geary, the author of 150 Best Donut Recipes. And uh, he's developed all kinds of gourmet donuts that you can make at home. You know, <laughs> how the donut got its hole, we talked about, George, uh, the little stories that, that abound about that. And there's this cute, I don't know if everyone remembers, the Swedish chef on Muppet, the Muppets. And the Swedish chef did a, a little bit. They did it on the Muppets show one time where he throws up English muffins in the air and fires his shotgun at them and comes down. Voila, the donut with a hole. Don't think that's how they got their hole. But So the question is, what do they do with all those holes? And I have to say, I did find in your book a wonderful recipe for donut holes. Probably not. You didn't make them with the donut holes, but it makes a good story. Once again, we're into telling stories, and that's the the dainty donut bites with fudge filling. Oh, my God. Save me. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, you've got both fried and baked donuts. Tell me a little bit about, you know, there's, there's always a debate about what is truly the donut. Is it a yeast donut? Is it a cake donut? Tell me your take on it. I think it's what you want it to be because I, uh, like we talked about, I travel around the world and I was on a little island in the Indian Ocean, Reunion Island. It's a French island. And they had these honey balls that were dipped in uh, sesame seeds. And they called them little uh, fritter things. And um, I tasted them and they were very... I got looking at the whole thing. It was almost like a pat of shoe that they used hmm. for um, cream puffs and fried that. And they claimed those were their little uh, donuts of the village. So it really depends on what you remember, I feel, as child in childhood. Because mm-hmm. my favorite donut is exactly what I would have when I was a little kid, and that would be a devil's food donut with chocolate glaze. Uh, see, I'm a purist. I go for the yeast donut with the sugar glaze. <laughs> see? Yeah, but no, we. I think we both are pretty close to purists yeah. because we aren't doing a red velvet donut, which I'd never heard of in my life there you go. until you're doing these crazy uh, flavors, combinations. And it's kind of like chocolates. I remember when people were putting all this chili into little chocolates, and I thought, I don't want chili in my chocolate. I want chocolate That's in my right. chocolate. Right. <laughs> so I'm a purist in a lot of things like that. I'll try it, but it's not that I want it. Well, you said you are using green tea in one of your recipes. Yes, uh, a green, the green tea powder. And I need something different. Matcha. I need yeah. 150 recipes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to come up with 150 of these flavors. Variations variations on a theme. You've got a good, yeah. good base to work with. <laughs> yeah, it's similar to my Cheesecake Bible book. That's 200. <laughs> when people say, how do you come up with them? I say, oh, it's easy. You just add another flavor and you're okay. But, <laughs> but you have to do all it. Same thing with ice cream books. I, I was speaking with uh, someone that did an ice cream book, and they asked me how I do the cheesecake flavors. And I said the same way you do ice cream flavors. You come up with all the names, I assume, of the flavor palettes you want to go with, and then you start producing the recipes. Well, now you have um, the recipes for the fried and the baked. On the fried donuts, do you act- are they actually totally submersed in oil? Tell our, our listeners a little bit about the recipes for the fried donuts and how they're made. If, in case they're intimidated by the mess once again in the frying. Yeah, just like um, some fast food places, they've taken the name fried out of their uh, their title of their name of their company. I um, 
didn't want to say we're going to deep fat fry. Because when you say, use the word fat in there, too, people go crazy. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of, it's only about three inches, four inches of oil. It's a lot of oil. I went through a lot of canola oil when I was doing these, these mm-hmm. recipes. But what it is, it's, I was trying to think of a vessel that you might have at home already. And I came up with using a wok. It helped the heat stay in. You can do about six donuts at a time. You can save the oil a little bit after one or two fryings. That's what uh, Krispy Kreme and all of them, they just filter it through mm-hmm. a coffee filter type of thing. So that's what I, I did was uh, used a wok, and it worked out really well. Uh, I had a company sent me a, a deep fat fryer, perfect for uh, French fries, but I really didn't think it had enough uh, room to do more than one or two donuts at a time. Hmm. So you do you do fat. I, you know, I had this little gizmo machine someone gave me as a gift back in the 70s, and it was a donut machine. But it was it only made two donuts at a time, and it was, shaped, it was kind of like a, a waffle maker. Oh. And it had two impressions on either side, um, you know, small rectangle. And you only had to use like a tablespoon of oil, and you put the dough in there, and it would... You know, it would, it would kind of fry bake them, and then you put the top on, the lid on, just like a waffle, and up, up, up the donut. They were beautifully shaped, but eh, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, so, you do how? What about? Let's talk about the difference between yeast and the cake, the like the baking powder cake donuts. Well, with the uh, yeast, it's just like bread; you have to let it rise. Uh, under a towel for a little bit. They take a little bit longer. There's more of a art of love with those. Mm-hmm. But if anybody has made bread, they can do a, a yeast donut. Um, yeast donuts, they were orange yeast donuts, were the first thing I did in culinary school, come oh. to think of it. And I include that recipe in the book because uh, it was such a great recipe. I had to completely scale it down from uh, 10,000 donuts to only a dozen and a half. And then... Um, the other, uh, the cake donut, those fry up and puff up in the oil more. So um, they're made with uh, a leavening, with like baking powder. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you would cookies, but then you put it into the, the oil and you'll see them puff up and become little uh, life preservers. A little easier to, to flavor the cake donuts, I would imagine. Yes, because uh, the fried donuts you're using... A certain amount of liquid, and if you're trying to flavor them like honey flavors or something like that, it's a little difficult. Mm-hmm. And, ye- and yeast dough doesn't take all that well to add a lot of additives. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's why I don't think I have as many yeast doughs as I do uh, cake and baked. Hmm. Well, and then not, so let's talk about baked. I mean, take all the fun out of it and bake a donut? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. The... Um, when I was working on the baked donuts, um, I thought it was a crazy idea. It was before I got the donut uh, contract. And they I found these pans that had a baked donut recipe, and there's six indication or wells like uh, muffins. And I bought it, and I had it in my uh, stock for a while. And then I made them one day, and I thought, these really turned out pretty good. And I used the recipe they had. And then I started inventing, using my muffin ideas that I had for a book and putting them into donuts, like blueberry donuts or blueberry muffins, mm-hmm. Not kind of changing it a little bit, but using those methods. And one 
after I put the book together, um, Wilton Enterprises out of Chicago, they have uh, a lot of pans, and, and the best pan for donuts is one that they sell, and they're very inexpensive. So I was talking to the test kitchen people over there, and they said they had the hardest time coming up with a donut that worked well for them. And I said, all you have to do is buy my book now. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were swapping ideas, which test kitchens I adore, because I, I go into test kitchens a lot, and we... Uh, talk about what trials and tribulations of making uh, recipes. There'll be a different person come up with an idea of let's create a pan for this. And then the test kitchen has to figure out how to use that pan. Right, so, right. That's and true. that's where but the come on, I making mean, the pan. But a baked donut, that's, that's, that's a cupcake with a hole in it. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> there's even... Well, the reason why I also put this into the book was there's a company... In uh, Southern California, uh, because, you know, everybody says that everyone in Southern California is skinny as a rail, and they're all models. There's a baked donut place. In, uh, and their donuts were okay, scale of 1 to 10, I'd give them a 4. Um, they're edible. But um, when I came up with my recipes, I thought, I'm going to make them so they're edible and they taste pretty good. The only main problem with all donuts around making at home is the shelf life is so low versus all the horrible ingredients they put in donuts. Well, exactly. Uh, at least you're, normal donut place. Yeah, so you're getting you're getting a fresh made product. It's like having a home baked yep. cake. I mean, the same thing. Well, yeah. you're. I mean, you're you're right into trying to cut down the the amount of of saturated unsaturated fats. And in fact, the um, doctors have <clears throat> nutritionists have always complained about the amount of unsaturated fat in donuts and particularly the you know the fried glazed donuts and pointed out that the average donut can carry a 300 calorie wallop and more i'm sure the bigger it is but uh, you know it it but it ha- you're not supposed to eat six of them at one sitting you have one as a treat every now and then just like you'd have a piece of birthday cake once in a while as a treat you know and the um the consumption figures don't encourage the nutritionists because over 10 billion donuts were produced in this country last year alone. 10 billion. So that's a few donuts. That's a few donuts. I think they're not going away, and they are indeed an iconic American cultural food item. And I and I thank you so much for for joining me to talk about this and and to present some of the. Um, the interesting flavors that we can, might be able to find in your book, A Hundred Donut Recipes, Fried and Baked. And leave you with this, a saying that used to be given out in a box of donuts. And I don't know who to attribute it to. I don't know where it came from. But I thought I'd share it. As you go through life, make this your goal. Watch the donut, not the whole. Thanks so much for joining me, and thank you, George Geary, for for your thoughts on the donut. Tune in thank again. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hope you'll tune in again to A Taste of the Past. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.